You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you then. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada, and we're on number 14 of 30 in our NBA preview countdown series with members of the SB Nation family. We're doing the last lottery team, and a team that really shouldn't have been in the lottery, the Miami Heat. They have that 11-30 and 30 start. They go 30-11 and 11 down the stretch, and then they keep the band back together. How are Heat fans feeling about that? We're joined by Kelly Cohen. She's a political reporter in D.C., but a huge Miami Heat fan. And we're also joined by Surya Fernandez, the editor-in-chief of Hot Hot Hoops, SB Nation's Heat site. We talk about the end of the season, Spolstra, Hassan Whiteside, Dion Waiters, uh, Justice Winslow. We kind of spooked them with a tough do Mary kill ver- a version of do Mary kill called a uh, max play trade. And we talk a little bit about LeBron James and how people feel about him in Miami. It's a complicated subject. And we do some predictions, all the good stuff. Uh, we are part of the Vox media podcast network. You can find us on iTunes at the limit at limited upside. Leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us if you enjoy these team preview series, you can find all of them on our feed. We've done every lottery team. Now this is the last one. We start the playoff teams next week and you know let let us know if we like them let us know what you don't like we like the feedback either way and it really helps us go up in the rankings also feel free to send us questions for any of these previews we ask them on the show you can do that at limited underscore upside on twitter you can find us of course on everywhere you get podcasts google play stitcher soundcloud soundcloud Uh, all those places and of course on sbnation.com as well until then though enjoy the miami heat preview this is the limited upside podcast Welcome back. Limited Upside Podcast number 14 of 30. We're done with the lottery at the end of this one. We're talking about the Miami Heat, who had a interesting, strange, but fun year last year. We have two folks in the line that really know this team well. Surya Fernandez from Hot Hot Hoops, the managing editor. Kelly Cohen, she's a political journalist in D.C., but also sometimes contributes to our Wizard site, but is her heart is in Miami. Friends, in the word... Let's start with Syria with this one. It's been a it was a bit of a topsy turvy year for Miami. It's been a topsy turvy last couple of years. They always keep it interesting. Right now, coming into this year, what do you think the mood of the fan base is? In a word. Uh, in a word, how about how about two words? Cautiously optimistic. Oh, I think man. because I don't know if we I should allow that. On. No, you can allow that. That's fine. <laughs> you sure. I think, I think <laughs> right, moving on from the. From the Chris Bosch situation, really, which was an unfortunate thing, we went over that last year with you guys. Mm-hmm. It was a like, can he play? What, what's what's up with him? I think they can finally move on from that, and also from a salary cap situation, uh, they were able to move on with that. Um, they were able to get a couple of reinforcements. Kelly Olenek is, you know, an interesting player, somebody that I didn't think that was on the Heat's radar. Um, so, and they brought back everybody essentially from 
from last season's team, except for maybe like a Willie Reed or or a Luke Babbitt, who were you know important pieces, especially in that second half of the season. Uh, but I think you're bringing back that core that you know could do some damage in a weakened East. Um, so I, I, we, we, this team needs to stay healthy. Uh, Eric Spolster is going to get the most out of this team. And I think there's a couple of players there that, that could take, you know, some meaningful steps this season. And they have a nice young little core that 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 could do some damage as well. You have a Tyler Johnson, Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow. Those are players that we'll see how they can raise their game this this season. It's funny how um, the season went, right? So if you flip the seasons in reverse, they go they go 11 and 30 and then they finish 30 and 11. How different, Kelly, do you think we think about the Heat if it was reversed? They start 30 and 11 and finish 11 and 30. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, he answered your one-word question with 9 million words. I would just like to point that out. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) We're very strict Um, about this one-word thing. In fact, I think I got mad at someone who said who had two words in one podcast. The first time we did this, Mike stopped, yelled at the person, and then we went back on, and, and he was like, happy Happy's the word. <laughs> it, was, it was funny because he said cautiously optimistic, and in my head, I'm like, "So you mean realistic?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's the that's the writer and you talking, but yeah, like, I, how much does this fast finish like inform the way people feel this year, as opposed to maybe if it was reversed? Well, I think it was. If it had been reversed, I if it had been reversed, I think we wouldn't have been surprised, right? Like that team wasn't really supposed to do anything. It was just supposed to be meh. It was supposed to fly under the radar. So I think if it had started really hot, people would have been like, oh my God, this is the team. Wow. You know, Eric Spolster doing his work. And then, you know, it crashed. Oh my gosh, this is what we, this is what we had predicted. You know, they don't have a big superstar. Let's, you know, rail on Goran Dragic a little more. Um, but that didn't happen, and I think that is kind of why they brought everyone back, and I think that's kind of why I'm realistic. But I guess, yeah, cautiously optimistic. I think, you know, we put a lot into this last year's team that kind of had to fall. You know, they they really had to hit rock bottom before they picked back up, which I think is – that's a cool thing, but it's also really risky to then give that team your all again for another season because, you know, if they start really bad again and then don't pick back up, who are you going to blame for that? Coming out of this this off season, um, does your trust still you know stand as high as it I, I assume always has with Pat Riley as kind of the leader of of the ship? Because I think one of the the aspects of stability that makes the most outward sense to guys like Mike and I is Spoelstra, right? There's this idea that Spo is always going to be good enough as a coach and strong enough to to kind of get the best out of his players that you will be uh, always able to say you cautiously optimistic right so with that in mind like is the is the trust still there with Pat Riley coming off an off season where the moves were i would say not as flashy as previous off seasons in past i think the trust is there but maybe it's you know teetering you know it's like a yellow light not a green light <laughs> um, just because like for as someone like personally as an NBA fan, I'm more of someone that just wants to be instantly satisfied. You know, I want I want results right then and there. I want that win right now. I want to be in the playoffs right now. You know, I want the game to end and I want us to win, whatever. Um, but Pat Riley's not like that, as we all know. He looks ahead one, two, three, four, twenty years down the road. Um, so I think that's kind of why we're at a yellow light and not a red light because I really thought the off season was very bland. It didn't make me happy. Um, but then again. I see who's at the helm, and that's what kind of saves me from being really upset. If that makes sense, <laughs> it was very, it was very unheat-like because you always think that right. they're the big fish team, and then 
they lose out on Hayward and their response, which I think uh, also very unriley like because yeah. you think of him as like the master planner that's planning for the double swoop of LeBron and Chris Bosh and <laughs> Dwayne Wade and all that. They right. instead basically just bring the band back together. But Surya, I feel like they're they were kind of boxed in. I mean, it, to doing that. I mean, did, did yeah. you feel as happy about the series of moves resigning Dion Waiters, resigning James Johnson to those four year contracts, bringing in Olenek, all of that? Um, did they have a choice really after they lost Hayward? Right. I think that's a very astute way to think it that they were boxed in because. Well, first of all, I'm going to say that with Pat Riley, I'm always going to put faith in Pat Riley. I grew up in L.A. during the Showtime Lakers, and I moved to Miami the same year that he did. So my entire life, basically, <laughs> Pat Riley has been in charge with the team that I follow. So it's and he he did what he was supposed to. He said he was going to bring championship parades to, to Biscayne, and he's done it. So, I mean, you always going to follow that. The stability of the front office has always been there. Um there's a reason why at least players will will entertain the idea of signing with the Heat. He gets an audience with them. He, he went out and he tried to get Gordon Hayward. I think he was the only realistic target, the only decent target. I'm sorry. I wasn't really enamored with any of the free agents. I preferred that they re-sign these players that did do, that did do something with that 13-11. Then, then try all over again, get a whole new set of players, and then start this all over again. I, I prefer the continuity. And 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 if anything, Pat Riley's holding on to some decent assets that down the down the line, maybe you can package them together and get that star because you know that that's what he likes. He wants a star. Yeah. And maybe aside from Dragic and Whiteside, I don't really see a bona fide All Star on this roster. But I'm not sure either of them either. Said, right. But there's something to be said about a, a, a collection of players that are all you know pretty good. And and in the East, with a lot of this player movement over the summer. They, they can definitely be, I think, a top five team. Yeah, no, they could. And I think the challenge, I would say, is that other than – I don't think that any of the players they signed are on, like, good contracts. I'm not sure I would necessarily say that anyone other than, like, James Johnson, uh, 31-year-old, four-year deal for $15 million per after his one good season, were on a bad contract. But they don't have the space to – get anyone in free agency. They, it's not just this summer they struck out, obviously. They also uh, lost LeBron, didn't get anyone the summer before, which again, and for most teams, that's sort of how it works. But for Miami, it's a little bit jarring because they're used to you're used to them getting those guys. And then they don't have the space later. You know, they have some players they can trade. Um, but I, I don't know. I would imagine that's some of the anxiety. But I think that leads also into the next thing that I think we should talk about was, which is like how sustainable is the production of – a player like Waiters, a player like Johnson, some of the guys that were so good in that thirty and eleven run. Like, do you are you folks optimistic that those players can maintain what they did? And it's probably worth also explaining to people who weren't paying attention. Like, what exactly did they do that was so successful? And can it can it repeat itself? Um, you know, things things changed. Justice went down with an injury. Um, Rodney Magruder kind of came onto his own in the starting lineup. Luke Babbitt, of all people, went into the starting lineup and really picked up his defense. <laughs> I was surprised by that. He started hitting his three-point shot. Even if he wasn't hitting it, the threat of him shooting it was was there. That kind of stretched uh, the offense a little bit. Um, you have Wayne Ellington there. He was healthy in the second half of the season. Unfortunately, Dion went down with an injury. And that kind of, I mean, if 
that's the difference right there. If they had just won a game or two, they would have been in the playoffs. And then we wouldn't be talking about them being a lottery team, which to me, I didn't really feel like they were. Uh, and I feel like, truth be told, they would have done much better in the playoffs than some teams like the Bulls had that, that didn't do anything when they were finally there. Um, and Indiana. So, <laughs> Indiana for and sure. And Indiana. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Thank I mean, you for that. For that. <laughs> oh, can you guys like complain about this for a little bit? Because this would have pissed me off as a Heat fan that they rested their players. And when we were talking to our Nets people, uh, one of them suggested that perhaps it was payback for them getting annoyed about Tyler Johnson's offer sheet. Wow, <laughs> which seems such a <laughs> the most small petty time. thing. That's like a small time thing to be mad about, but I actually love it. That's but, veto uh, level petty right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's honestly petty goals, petty wars. No, I mean. <laughs> I I get resting your players if you know you're a LeBron James and you're about to go try to win the NBA championship. But when you're the net, like just no, it was so rude, it was so disrespectful. The Heat could have really, they would have made, done some damage last year in the playoffs, and it really upset me because they like like we talked about, they ended the year so good and they were on that roll. You know, besides the waiter's injury, but you know they were right there and they were really pushing and they were what's the word everyone likes scrappy. Yeah, they're yeah annoying. They're really <laughs> so that really I remember watching that day and just sitting there I think I just like turned off my TV and I was like no more NBA for the night we're done here <laughs> yeah that was pretty rough um, but yeah anyway like so Surya like how can Dion Waiters do this again can James Johnson do this again can Rodney Magruder do this again or is he even going to be in position to do this again I mean there are just so many players that played above their means at the end of the year at least from what they had done previously I think every year that I've covered the Heat, everybody always kind of says the same thing that, you know, they really love this team. They they love playing with everybody else. And I but I think this this group right here really, really likes playing with each other. They hang out in the offseason. They never stopped working out in the gym. Even during the playoffs, they were still there. Like they didn't know what else to do but just to keep working at it. And and they're they're still in top shape. Uh they're bringing in a couple of new guys as well. Um I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if they can start the season 30 and 11 either, but I, I think Dion can do it. I think James John, Johnson is is one more year with, with the Heat and it's more familiarity. I think Wayne Ellington was a big part of it too, and he's coming back as well. Um, I, I just think sometimes uh, it's it's beyond what you just see in the stats. And, and oh, you're, you're also bringing back Justice Winslow too. We'll see how, how he does as well. This is an important season for him as well. And, and Josh yeah. Richardson as well. He's shown flashes of of really, really good work on the defensive end. And he's shot well, too. And then he'll get injured. And then he kind of has to start from, again, um, from square one. But but I think that if they can put it all together and stay healthy, I, again, I don't know if they can be 30 and 11 to start the season. But I think they could be above 500. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're going to hit kind of like, quote, unquote, rock bottom again like they did last season. And I... As everyone knows, I'm really big on social media. I follow all of them on Instagram and Snapchat, and they're literally always together. They're always working out. You know, they obviously have the leader in Haslam, and they have an amazing front office. So I think it's just kind of be like, come out of the gate fast, pick up what they did last year that was so great, and stay on that. And then even though the East has changed completely, and I'm still very confused about everything that's happened this summer. (laughs) So are we. Uh, yeah, I, I was on like the Metro when that Irving trade happened and I was like looking around at other people trying to see if anyone else had gotten that notification. Like it was like some crazy breaking news that we were suddenly like, you know, the world was ending, but everyone looked nor- calm and normal. And I just wanted to go shake random people and be like, hello, 
Like, do you see what happened? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. The big thing that you talk about conditioning, that was sort of the big key to Miami is that this idea that these guys come here and James Johnson does – nobody looked at James Johnson and was like, you know what James Johnson's problem is? He's too fat. He's, he's got too much baby fat. Like, I can't remember ever thinking that about him before he got to Miami. Yeah. And yet he lost, what, 35 pounds? And they found a way to do yeah. it. And suddenly they're all so much more effective. And that's sort of the right. big uh, equalizer. I mean, for Dragic and Waiters. These are guys who had had not issues with weight necessarily, but being at their peak ability. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. yeah, back healthy again. Of course, they're also all, I mean, in the, in the case of Waiters and Johnson, which is why I'm asking if this is sustainable, mm-hmm. they were yes. also in contract years after getting no money and getting shut out of free agency the previous year. Are you saying so, guys play more motivated when they're looking for the next contract, Mike? I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying it's possible. <laughs> just speculating a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so I think it, that's that's also the sort of recipe that allows you to win a lot of games when it's, I think your t- teams are tired and they're coming in and you know maybe they're on their fourth game in like seven or fourth and six and it's, it's March, it's the dog days. And that's why I would be curious to see how much this carries over because if you look at again, I think Sura, you make a good point that like there is something different about the Miami culture and the Miami yeah. way that does not necessarily get captured and they're they're consistently able to take these guys, get them in better shape because that's such a big deal and like turn them into better versions of themselves. At the same time, historically second half surges do not are less predictive than that's why I asked at the beginning, like, what if the situations were in reverse? Right. Uh, in the first half, weirdly enough, is actually better, more of a carryover season to season. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out. Um, here's a really uh, vague question that I want to ask because I think a lot of people ask, how good is Hassan Whiteside actually? <laughs> <laughs> who, um, I can't, do you, who wants to go first? Kelly, you take that one first. <laughs> how good is he? Um, I think he... <sighs> I would give him like an A minus. Um, I think last year he had, I really, he's like my, I don't know how to describe it. Like I love him, but I don't, but I do, but I don't. You know, watch, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? There's some stuff he does in games that are amazing. And then there's some stuff, you know, he does where you're like, really, you just, you walked right into that. You are an idiot. Um, but I think he's a young guy. He came from nothing. He's been really developed by the front staff and he's, I, there, my one issue is, my my one issue is that I wish he's a little bit better in the post up, but you know he's obviously great on defense. He's obviously, you know, kind of like when he has the ball, he's the focus, he's the star, and I think he a minus. A minus. Because <laughs> <laughs> there there's a big divide into people. I think a lot of Heat fans think he's awesome, and there are ways that he is awesome. Yeah. I also think that there are a lot of folks who don't watch as closely who think he, and look at the numbers and see that there are some things he does really well, but he's also very deficient in other areas. That's why I'm curious to ask you guys, you guys, like, like how good is he actually? Like, I think it's one of those players that the, the polarizing conversation, people think he's either way better or way worse than he actually is. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's kind of like the whole Dwayne Wade conversation. I think that happens with heat fans is that we fall in love with a player and we kind of, ignore the bad things about him. I did I did that with Wade for so long. I was like, he's my favorite player. Oh my gosh. But then I started to realize when I actually looked at him from more of like a statistical standpoint that there were things that he did were that were pretty detrimental to the team. And Once I he think, got older, you mean obviously. Yeah, yeah. obviously, yeah. yeah. Um but I think um Whiteside almost became that for us after obviously Wade left. 
which I don't want to talk about. But, you know, <laughs> I think Whiteside has just – he's literally watching him develop from when he first came to the Heat and where he was last season is just, like, so beautiful. Um, so I think he's good. Yeah, and we have to we have to remember also where he came from. I mean, the, the Heat literally plucked him out of nowhere. He had played in, like, in Lebanon, I think, in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a player that, that the Heat – it's almost like as if the Heat had drafted, you know, if we had, if the Heat had drafted him as a lottery pick and he just came in and started playing like this, everybody would be pretty thrilled with somebody that, that can do all the things that he does. He has a nice little mid-shot game. He's worked on his free throw shooting. Obviously, he's going to get you the, the rebounds and the block shots that, that is kind of rare in this NBA game where we have a lot of, a lot of shooters in this game. But a seven-footer that can, that can run the floor and do the things that he does and to pluck him out of nowhere and develop him, I think the Heat pride themselves in that. I mean, they got Tyler Johnson. He's undrafted and, and he's, he's also a really good player. Uh, Bam. I, we haven't even talked about Bam, but I, I didn't, we didn't like the hotter hoops. We, we ran a bunch of draft profiles. We did not write up about Bam <laughs> and, and he played really good in summer league. And he's another guy that I think they can fit into the system. And, and in due time, he's pretty young, but also he can fit into the system. So with Hassan, I mean, you're, you're talking about guy, the guy that can do a lot of good things. And, and if you're going to, you can nitpick some of his game, but I think what he brings to the table, and I think he should at this point with the contract. I mean, they got him really cheap the first, you know, year and a half. Um, yeah, he yeah, needs not to so just much keep anymore. growing. <laughs> yeah, not so much anymore. But I, I mean, yeah, I, I think he has a really good shot at, at being an all star this, this season if he puts it all together. So where does he stand in the hierarchy of centers? Like we, we did this on the last podcast with um, with Jokic, and, and we've done this a few times now. Yeah, with various centers. I don't think he's about. as good, I don't know if he's as good as him, but I think he's definitely surpassed like a DeAndre Jordan. I think he has okay. a much more well-rounded hmm. offensive game than than him, and he can actually shoot some free throws now. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> better than DeAndre. Um, Mike, Mike, <laughs> what, what do you think about that, Mike? Because so we we get to this point in the conversation a lot where we, we need to figure out the value structure of, of a center in the NBA now. Like some teams, the most successful ones, don't value them at all. Like Zaza was totally fine to win an NBA championship. JaVale McGee was 100% on board to win an NBA championship. They're not in the hierarchy of centers or even close to it. But with that in mind, there's other guys who, you know, look, people talk about Embiid and people talk about Jokic as the future of, uh, of the position, but ultimately they're legitimate centers. Part of that is understanding there's the offensive side, the defensive side, and then there's how the team plays around the player. I would love to get your perspective here, ultimately, for the value of, uh, uh, and, and Surya, you could take this first if you'd like, but like it's different for the way the Heat are comprised that, that Hassan Whiteside is the way he is. It might not be as effective having, not to say like they wouldn't be as good with Jokic, but talk, talk to me through a little bit about where you see him in the hierarchy of centers. Give me a few more names other than DeAndre, and then ultimately, if this is the best fit for the Heat. Uh, jeez. I mean, <laughs> I think he's a good, I mean, he is a good, that's a complicated question, but of course, of course. I think he is a good fit. I mean, he plays well with Dragic. I mean, you, you throw the ball up in the rim and he's going to catch it and he's going to dunk it. I mean, he, he, he can do things like that. Like a, a, you expect a center, a starting center that is making what, uh, like 24 million, uh, this year, he, he better start doing those things. <laughs> I just think he needs to be just more consistent because he has games where he'll, He'll grab like 15, 20 rebounds, and he'll he he's had double digit blocks. Uh, so you know he can do it. it. And then there's just times where he's just not plugged in, and he's not getting the ball. And he's not the kind of player that if you give him the ball, he's gonna pa- make a great pass to another teammate. He kind of just it just it's a kind of a, a black hole. If you give it to him, he's gonna do something with it. Maybe he'll do something great with it. Maybe he'll cough the ball up. Um, so 
but I mean, I mean, I think Embiid might be a better player, but he, I mean, he, he barely has played. I mean, we, we're yeah, talking no about somebody that he was great. And then he, again, he got injured. So I don't really know. I mean, I don't, I don't want to jinx him. I don't want to say that he's sure. like a, a, a draft bust, but he, again, he, he is a player that also has to put it all together. There's, I don't really see a lot of centers that are like Hassan Whiteside that are consistently great. I mean, I think obviously the, the Nuggets, I mean, are, are, are quite happy with what they've gotten as well. I think Whiteside isn't quite there yet, but I think he's, I, I, I think he's up there. I mean, he's, he's close enough to be up there where, again, if he puts it all together, he can be an all-star. Well, the question is uh, putting it all together. He is already 28, so it's not like he's young. I know he's had – well, he's very unique. He's had the basketball odyssey, and so he projects right. – he looks like he's younger than 28, but he is 28. And have you folks noticed like a lot of growth in the consistency? Because that is still the issue. Like there are sometimes you – know, he's just such a feast or famine player. He has been, and I, I think the – way that he's tried to grow up with Spolstra has been very much like a push and pull like kind of sort of thing. You see some progress and then it's sort of yanked back from him and then more progress and he kind of gets it's a it's a very tough developmental project and this is what Spolstra's good at but has he what sort of progress has he made even within the season that gives you any sort of hope that it actually does all cuz I I think at this point it's hard to see that it all clicking, but you know the key is more things click than than don't, and I think that's the question. Um, I think we already saw that last. I think we already saw that last season, yeah. honestly, with the maturity and all that. I, I I didn't see much of that last season, so I okay. think I think a lot of that has been addressed, honestly, okay. as far as, as far as that goes. What do you guys think of this uh, the forty two and a half win total that came out yesterday for the Heat? I'm just I'm just curious because it's more topical that we actually have some over unders to play with now, uh, Mike. So Kelly, you think that's a a fair number? It puts them right around. I guess we projected to be like a few teams around 42, 42 and a half wins, but it's right there with the Sixers, and I feel like that's a high water mark for the Sixers. But I feel uh, like yeah, forty two, <laughs> easy, Mike. Forty two. Um, Ben's a Sixers fan, um, but with that in mind, though, it's like that the competition they put them in with is is the the back end of the Eastern Conference there. But ultimately, it sounds like you guys think they could be playing in that in potentially you know a home court game, uh, maybe even challenge for that four um, in the first round. So is forty two a little low? See, my word at the beginning of this was realistic. Um, I'm going to say that, and I always, every time everyone always asks me for predictions, I always bumble it. So I'm not even going to give numbers because I'm so bad at it. But I would say I'm going to I'm gonna stick with that number only because I'll, I'll agree with that only because of injuries and only because of staying healthy. And really, honestly, anything is possible. But like I said earlier, after last season, I think building off of the success at the end of the season, then obviously the team is disappointed they didn't make the playoffs. I think... I would like to say a little better than that, but I'm just going to stick with the realistic and say I'm going to go with the experts and the smart people and stick with 42 and a half. I'm hammering the over. <laughs> hammering the over. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hammering the over. because I mean, the, dream, the dream is the over, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're the kind of team that just like, picks up like random ass wins in March, you know, against tired Which teams. They like, play they're hard. They, yeah, they're well coached. The Those yeah. are that's good for like eight to ten wins a year where exactly. other teams don't get that. There's like a soccer analogy that's to be true. made here, Mike, that I won't use, but they're make it. All right. The analogy here though is like there are certain teams that just play a better brand of soccer. Look, um Leicester won the league by okay, just trying much, harder. Yeah, you're now you're getting too okay. much in the weeds. Well, okay. This is not they I won the EPL. Much, no, I thought the this analogy was a much is simple more here. Simple like, you, can, you can win games by being um 
at your peak threshold regardless of what the opposition's at. And I think that the Heat come to most games, at least as a national perspective, watching plenty of their games last year, more prepared to play that specific game, harder, et cetera, whatever the word might be, Mike, like with the rotations, knowing their roles better than most teams. They're just in better shape than they are. And physically, yeah, being in better conditioning obviously matters. But that's good for so many wins over the course of 82 games, where teams lose focus, where young guys go through ebbs and flows. And ultimately, like their success is not predicated on any 19 or 20 year olds, which is plenty of teams in the NBA this year. Well, how old is Winslow? 21. 3? 22 now? I think he's 21. 21? Jeez, he's pretty young. So maybe... Yeah. maybe Nice try, Ben. Maybe his... <laughs> well, he's still not their best player. He's like, what, their their fifth, fourth best yeah. player? Maybe? Well, let, let's talk about Winslow and uh, some of these tried, other right? young players. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you... I mean, you were Winslow technically... Winslow was born right. in 1996, in case God. everyone wants to be old. So, I, I actually don't look at the age or the year that people were, were born anymore because it just makes me feel. You know that there are two thousand people born in two thousand yeah. that are going to hit the league in Dude, a couple years. Barrett, the the, <laughs> the top prospect in the two thousand nineteen draft, the Canadian oh kid. He first off, he was literally born in two thousand one or two thousand or something like that. <laughs> well, you were Zion Williamson born two thousand, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. All right, we're, we're going to stop this conversation. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Justice Winslow. When I used to play basketball, no, okay, forget it. We're not going to get too. <laughs> Too old here. Yeah, but when Ben used to play. He he had the set shot that he loved. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I played against Wayne Ellington. There's your there's your uh, there's oh yeah, your that's name right. Drop. You did. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. There's your name drop of the pug. <laughs> All right, let's skip back on topic. Um, oh, are we talking about famous people we know? Because I have a <laughs> no. I think we're done. With you win. This. You win. No, no, you're done. We're done. <laughs> um, let's talk about this. Is a question that we ask a lot of people, uh, and uh, in fact. Got a suggestion from Corbin Ford Watson on Twitter to ask this, but I'm going to slightly alter it. We like to play a game sometimes on this show called uh, the NBA version of Do Mary Kill. You, you folks are familiar <laughs> with that game, yes? Yes. Yes. Okay. We call it Max Play Trade. So pick one of these three players to Max, one of these three players to kind of see, give them more time and see what they can do, sort of hold the line and sort of, and the other one to trade or let go of. Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Rodney Magruder, Max Plate oh Trade, God. Surya, who you got for each of those? Oh my God. It's so hard. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's, that's why we love it. <laughs> it's important because it helps hurts. you it helps you figure out like where fans feel they are in like kind of the pecking order of like hope, you know? That's why we like it. Oh my gosh. Kelly, do you want to start first? <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, okay. so so oh. just what are the three players again? Winslow, Richardson, and Magruder. Uh, Corbin suggested Tyler Johnson, but he's already on a huge contract, so I'm throwing him out of this conversation. Oh god. <laughs> okay, Jeez. let's talk let's talk it out a little bit. Like what why is this a hard decision? Okay, I think I would max Josh Richardson. Really? Why is that? I I just really like him. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> What is it about him? Do you, is the idea that he uh, two way wings are really tough to find? He's shown that unlike Winslow, he's shown that he can actually shoot the ball. Yes, that's a big part of it. So, do you agree with that? I thought like the, for me, like the shooting, like when it when it comes down to basics, and that is just something I like a good shooter, which Winslow is not uh, for sure. Exactly. So is I that, think is I that a broken yeah. mechanic on, on Winslow's shot? That that can get better though. That can be improved. I'm optimistic. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, he's he's twenty one. I mean, he's I, not, mean I, right. I think he's a, he's a, justice is a, is a, to me he's a winner. He makes winning plays. He makes he does things. He makes things happen that don't show up in the box score. 
And I think of all the things that you could work with a young player, I think shooting is, is, is something that it's not like the, the defense that he brings, the intensity that he brings. He's, he can be a playmaker. He can handle the ball. He can do a lot of good things. I don't know if I would max him. I think, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with Kelly. I think because of Richardson's uh, versatility, his length, um, I, I guess I would, I would max him play justice and, and trade Rodney only because I, I like Rodney, but only because he's the third player. And, and if it was Tyler, I would trade him too, because his contract balloons the next two years. Right. Uh, but yeah, but just, I just, but I like Rodney too. I think he's a great find and he's somebody that's perfectly Wait, into so the why would you, why and that culture. Grutter, why are you trading Magruder over Winslow? Because because I uh, because Winslow is just a better player. I think he's got just more of an upside, and we still have yet to see his his his. A, a cons- well, he's been injured, you know. So I think he would have been a great asset to the team when they were in the second half of the season. So I want I want to play him. I want to see what he can do. I want to see how he bounces back from this. And he's very young, and and I think the Heat front staff has made has made great improvements over over players like a Tyler Johnson, or or even a Rodney. I think they can get the most out of him. I love Justice Winslow's game. I just love it. the The shooting thing is a problem, though. Uh, no question. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't really play the three if he shoots like that. But I love his game, and I think uh, I think that dude's going to be real good. Uh, he was my favorite rookie the year before. Um, so I would max Winslow, and I would uh, trade Richardson. But just because, like, uh, with Richardson's shot, like, I'm not sure uh, he's had stretches where it's really good, but he didn't shoot well in college. So, but you know what? That yeah. it's a it's an important question too to frame it this way because you can't keep all three of those guys happy with minutes. They all play in the same block of space, and the Heat right. also have Johnson, and they have Waiters, and they have Dragic. So. There are going to be decisions that need to be made about those three players. That's why it's also it's tough decisions, but they are decisions. That's why we also I also tried to pick those three because they're kind of in the same uh-huh. block. And Magruder's a good player. A well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you, Corbin Ford Watson, for suggesting th- that oh. version of the question. Um, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, there's no there's no easy answer. That's that's what makes it tough because because you do like all, all three of them. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Justice Winslow. So that. Maybe I'll take it back. I don't know. Now, I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> some blog is going to aggregate this by saying political reporter hates Justice Winslow. So. It's going to be political reporter hates justice. And they're going to leave <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, wait, how did I not oh, think of that? Good. Jesus, <laughs> I'm slipping. Especially oh, because I cover the Justice Department, so that'll <laughs> be even better. How, how did I miss that? I'm really off this I think morning. it's time for vacation, Mike. I think so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take a quick break uh, to talk about some other stuff. We're going to get on the other side. We'll talk a little bit about some past heat players and then get more back into predictions. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Stephen Godfrey from Podcast Ain't Played Nobody. Myself, my podcast co-host, Bill Connolly. Last year, we raised a bunch of money for some flood victims in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. After that area saw some devastating, devastating damage. Of course, you guys have seen the news. You know what's going on in Houston right now. We are going to come back in 2017 and do the same thing. We're going to do it bigger. We're going to be joined by other SB Nation and Vox Media podcasts, and we are going to raise money for Houston. Until then, contact the Red Cross if you want to donate. Stay tuned. We love you, Houston. 
We're back, Limited Upside Podcast. Ben's departed, uh, so it's just me here with uh, Kelly Cohen, uh, political reporter and also contributes to our wizard site, but is a Heat fan. And Surya Fernandez, the editor of uh, Hot Hot Hoops. I really got to shorten that title. That's a long, cumbersome title. Uh, Surya <laughs> Fernandez, editor of Hot Hot Hoops. I have a question that I put in the rundown here that I left purposely vague, um, and it's a very simple question. How do Miami Heat fans feel about LeBron James? Kelly, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, How do we feel about LeBron? He's there. Oh, no, no, no. How about this? It is what it is. It is what it is. What is, can you elaborate? So when he first left, I honestly had a meltdown on social media. I was so upset. I was like, how could you do this? You know, you're supposed to be there for me. You know, obviously I made it all about me. But then I kind (laughs) of, you know, like how I felt those tears, I cried. But then, you know, I kind of, I saw people someone said it was kind of like he went to college and I'm sure you guys have heard this, you know, he went to college for four years, he grew, and then he went back home to start, you know, working for the family business and made it really successful. So that kind of analogy made me feel better. Um, I'm not in love with the idea of players needing to go home to their hometown team. I don't get where that comes from, but you know, he made NBA really fun for me. He made the heat. Awesome. He brought the city of Miami and all of South Florida together. He helped do that for the few years he was there. So it just, you know, it is what it is. Sir, how do you feel about LeBron? Yeah, it's, it's very conflicted. I mean, I, I was there. I, I, I heard him say about not two, not three, not four. Not, it, the math doesn't add up because he left after four years. <laughs> four I, I don't know where that came from. The, yeah, I mean, everything was going fine. They went to four straight NBA finals. You don't leave a team like that. And you don't leave them after, you know, and kind they of screwing loved them each other over. Too, while they were doing it. Like the team loves right. one another. Right, right, right. So it's like uh, you build a team around him. Um, then you kind of just string them along during free agency when the Heat could have, you know, used that space. Then you kind of had to like backtrack and offer Bosch a max to, to, to stop him from going to Houston. So kind of just like, I mean, I guess you do that because you're going to an East team. So you might as well screw over another Eastern Conference team. But it, it was all weird the way he left. Uh, I wasn't buying it. That whole, if you reread the letter that he supposedly wrote uh, with Jenkins, on, it doesn't make any sense at all because he didn't do anything like that. Like, oh, I'm going to go back to this team. We're going to develop these young guys. We'll see what happens. No, it was right. just a, a facsimile of the heat. He brought back Mike Miller, uh, uh, and he wanted to bring back uh, Birdman. They traded away Wiggins. So they, 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 they brought together a veteran team. So you could have just easily kept on doing that here in the Miami. So I still don't know why. He left, uh, especially to go back to an owner that trashed him. And, and yeah. I, I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's all still weird to me. I don't see anybody here in Miami wearing LeBron jerseys. I think we're all very happy with the big three area. Obviously, it was two championships. Yeah. It was great times. But it's, all of it left me with a, a weird, like a sour taste in my mouth. The way he left, and I guess Cleveland can, can identify with that because that's the way he left Cleveland as well. And I don't know if he's yeah. going to leave Cleveland again next year, but it, it was all weird. It was all very, very odd. And I think to add to that little like sour taste in my mouth when he left was that he goes to Cleveland and then suddenly is like the team owner, the team GM. Like he does all these things that are to please him and himself only. Obviously, he couldn't really do that in Miami because of that, you know, the front office with Riley being there. So that I think is also weird to me is that he goes to Cleveland and then does what he wants with the players, which that is just strange to me. That's not your job. Right. Yeah. Well, on the one hand, yeah. <laughs> on the other hand, if you can do that and you're him, I mean, 
it's probably it, there is a larger story of player empowerment here that I think goes beyond the franchise and there's all that. I mean, so I under I sort of also understand the frustration. The college analogy does make a lot of sense to me in the sense that you you guys all have college friends. I have college friends. You know, I see <laughs> you don't you for the four years or whatever, however many years you're there on campus, um, they are like your life and you hang out with them all the time and they're the only people you see. But when you leave college, they may go back to their sort of other places. Maybe they live in the same city as you. A lot of them you still keep as friends, but you're you're now sort of on your own kind of trying to find your own way. Maybe you're trying to control um, a lot more of your own life than college did. There is sort of a structure to college that the Heat provided. And obviously for LeBron, he felt like he – was at the point where he was ready to go back off on his own. Um, and, you know, he does it the way he does it because he can and because there is something to the idea of player empowerment and all that. But do you think the Heat should retire his number? Let's put it that way. Uh, sorry, yeah. mm. uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think – I don't know if uh, – I don't know. I don't know if he's played enough time uh, yeah. to, to warrant that. But if you do, then you might as well just do all the big three all at once and, I don't know, raise them all at the same time. But I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's uh, yeah. like I when said, it's very, other... very odd. The <laughs> Heat aren't, uh, the Heat aren't a college. The Heat pride themselves on Heat lifers. Right. Like, like right. Oh, that's also the, like, maybe that's what turned LeBron so off a little bit. I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying that whole thing anyway. The, the Heat, like I said, he came here talking about winning seven or eight times that it was going to be easy, this and that. And then he, and then he bails after four years of, of going to the finals every year. Right. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's all very weird to me. <laughs> I actually think this is why it's just so tricky is because of the lifer thing. You know, this is not the way most stars look at the Heat. Um, and it's sort of weird to be now in the position that a lot of other franchises are where it's not. For Miami, there's such a cult of personality around being a Heat player. Um, it's almost – you compare it a little bit to almost like a, a startup or whatever. Like there's something – about the culture and LeBron was one the one player that didn't really see it through that way and that's his right and I think that's why it's a little weird because he did yeah. something he he carried himself in a way in Miami that people in Miami don't care about whether you agree with how he did it or not it's just jarring um I mean they're going to retire Wade and Bosch first right? right I mean so that right like those are no brainer retired yeah. jerseys so right. oh yeah it's just it's it's very interesting. I think it also obviously set off uh, in motion a lot of what they've had to do to scramble over the last couple of years, and now they're in a position where they have. It, it's funny to think of it this way, and I think Heat fans will feel a little insulted, but like they're kind of just another uh, mid market team now in a lot of ways. They're kind of have these a fun team that's fun to get behind, but you know without the usual sort of allure of stars going to South Beach, they're kind of in a very similar position, I would say, to, you know, not like Toronto um, as a market. Um, they're sort of – and I think that's an interesting thing, I think, for Heat fans to adjust to. No, that's fair. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> um, but I, it's just a fascinating topic because I, I, I can understand all sides to this. Um, yeah, especially so, with it's Heat. so much, yeah. Yeah, so um, let's lighten it up a little bit <laughs> after that. Um, I'm actually curious about this one. So someone comes to you and they say, hey, Kelly, Helly, Surya, like I've got enough money to buy one jersey for one player on the team, um, and that's it. Uh, 
you can have your reasons for wanting to get whoever's jersey you want. Like, who would you recommend they buy? I, the fact that we have not talked about him at all blows my mind, but Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam, okay. Because yeah. he embodies everything we talked about before, right? Exactly. I like. I love. I don't know why I haven't mentioned him before this, but he is the definition of Miami life or Miami culture. He does the things he actually does for the Miami community, and I don't live in Miami anymore, but I know about it. Is just amazing. He's he mentors the young players. He mentors the old players. He's he's great. That's who you want to wear as a jersey for sure. Yeah, that's a solid choice, and he's another player that they're going to retire his jersey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Oh man. Jeez. Uh, um. I would say waiters. Yeah, I was waiting for someone to say waiters. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just, I just somebody that just, I, you know, I like those kind of players. I like, I like that ballsy attitude that he has. He wants the ball at the end of the game. Uh, you need a player like that, and just somebody that you can root behind, and just somebody that's, he's going to be happy that he, that he's, if he sees you wearing his jersey. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with him. And yeah. a close second would be Olenek, just so that I could get some sort of like fake <laughs> man bun to go with it. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> You'd recommend someone get a fake man bun to work with that jersey. Uh, it would be wow. good, yeah. Maybe they get like a like an add-on at the heat store if they could just sell something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be pretty it's cool. Like those, it's like those visors that people wear at football tailgates that have like the fake yep. hair or whatever. You get the man <laughs> right. bun. That's genius. Interesting. I yeah. think so. I think we should, I'm going to talk with the heat merchandise and not that. Okay. Uh, the the, the yeah. nice thing about waiters too is it's sort of a signal to everyone who is around you that you're like kind of a cool basketball fan. You get like that he's sort of a cult hero, not only in Miami but nationally. You're like saying to people, it's a signal to people to say like, yeah, I pay attention to like NBA Twitter and NBA memes. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a savvy <laughs> choice. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm surprised <laughs> neither of you said Whiteside. That would have been my first thought. Uh, but that's. Yeah, I mean, the- you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. I just I feel bad that we haven't talked about Haslam at all. So right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So do you think like is he what do you think his role is going to be after uh, he finally officially retires? Um, is he going to go right to coaching? Is he going to go because you know that he's going to stay in the Heat family. That's how it always works. Like, is he going to yeah. be an ambassador like Alonzo? I guess Alonzo's in the front office now, right? Yeah. Uh, where uh, do you think he's going? I could I could see that. Don't don't you? I mean unless he just kind of wants to take some basketball time off, but he's probably going to be like a Alonzo and just stay with the heat in some sort of capacity. Let's invent a job for him. Let's invent a job for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Shane is back too in the, in the front office. That's I, right, I, yeah. I see. Uh, I, well, I think a close comparison is Keith Askins who just like, he retired and he immediately just joined the, 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 the coaching staff. So I, I don't see why Asim couldn't be an assistant coach and just keep working with, with players like Bam and, um, and just, yeah, yeah just, I mean, he's essentially that anyway. I just feel like Haslam is just going to never, like, he just doesn't seem like someone that will ever retire. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as now that they have uh, these two-way contracts, it's easier to just have a roster spot for him, even if he can't really, if he's too old to play. I mean, he can play a little bit now, <laughs> but, you know, five, ten yeah. years, probably not. Um, yeah, Ugh. coaching would be a nice, easy transition because, you know, he basically is doing that anyway, I imagine. Right. Um, all right, here's a fun question that we ask everyone on our preview podcast, and I, I hope you guys are prepared very hard for this because we've had some very creative answers. Um, I'm putting you all on the spot. You uh, Actually, this is especially germane because we were just talking about LeBron. Um, you're on a vacation, and you have your banana boat, much like LeBron, D-Wade, uh, <laughs> CP, 
and Carmelo. Um, it's you, and you get to choose three other players from Heat history to join you on that banana boat. Um, Kelly, who you got? Who are your three? Oh, why'd you have to go with me first? Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well... Well, everything I say is going to be cliche, but it's going to be Alonzo, Wade, and Shaq. Okay, so you're still going with like the best, the most, for the most part, the most famous players. Like, I, it's just they, yeah. I mean, Wade, when, like, as we were talking about earlier, you know, I started, I grew up a football fan, but I transitioned to basketball, uh, like, as a side thing in around 2006. And then I was like, oh, wow, look at this. And so my, yeah. That's it's Shaq's Owen Wade. <laughs> Shaq's Owen Wade. Okay. I mean that that but Shaq, Shaq's probably got to be at the back because he's very large. <laughs> yeah. Let uh, let's assume that you get a banana boat that's like sort of double pumped up so that it can hold the weight. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Suri, who you got in your boat? Uh, I'm gonna go with Alonzo Wade, but also Hardaway. I gotta do it. Tim Hardaway. Just, yeah. Why Tim Hardaway? I, I just, I just, I think he was the the best Heat point guard that that they had. I mean, I just think he was just one of those players that, when once they got him, he just fit right in. He was like a perfect pairing with Alonzo. It was just a very exciting time where the Heat really had a a, a good team. You know, they're they're an expansion team. They they don't have a whole lot of history, and that kind of just set the tone. Uh, Riley, Alonzo, and, and Hardaway kind of just set the tone. Would you want to hang out come. with him? Like, is he, would he be fun to vacation with? Uh, is that sort of the idea? Hang out, maybe, maybe like a Mario Chalmer or something like that. Right. <laughs> somebody like that might be a little more of a party guy. Or Dion Waiters. Yeah. Or somebody like that, you know. Uh, so you I, know, I, I don't know necessarily about that. Out. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's, a different, that's a different question then. Well, that's what, we're, three different answers. that's what we're asking. Like, the, the, it doesn't matter how oh. good these players are. It's who do you want a vacation oh. with? Oh, it's not like a Mount Rushmore. No, no, no. It's not like Mount Rushmore. It's like who do you actually oh. want to hang out with on vacation? Who do you want on your boat? Like who would be the most oh. fun? Well, Shaq is staying oh, because wow. duh. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mario Chalmers. <laughs> Mario Chalmers would be good. He'd be like he he kind of talk about like oh I, I can totally jump and do a three sixty off this boat like just watch yeah oh yeah he'd be he'd, he'd be like, inventing st- stunts for himself to do and. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody would kind of put money on him not completing the stunts, and they would win a lot of money off him. I think I keep Wade only because if you follow Wade's summer adventures, he literally is having the most cool summer ever. He goes to the coolest places. He does the coolest things. Mm-hmm. So Wade, Wade can help plan the vacation, and then Shaq, Chalmers, and I can just have the fun. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good vacation. The Heat have a lot of options um, for this. Uh, yeah. We haven't mentioned oh, yeah. Whiteside either. I feel like that would be a fun person. Like Whiteside, Dion Waiters, and Mario Chalmers I think is a good combo for more recent. Oh, yeah. Um, players. I think you, you had white chocolate that you'd want to have on from the 2006 <laughs> team. That whole team was a lot of fun. Antoine oh, Walker. Birdman. Oh my God, wait, Birdman oh, wow. would be so much Birdman. Fun. Yeah, there's sort of a treasure trove of people um, that you could have on this on this boat uh, for sure. Uh, is there anyone we Michael forgot? Beasley. Michael Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Absolutely. Um, for sure. I mean, yeah, you could go way back uh in in history i'm thinking about who else was on that kind of 2000 the the team that reaped the that defended their title with such a party f- heavy like kind of season uh that it kind of all oh, fell yeah. apart i'm yeah. trying to think who else was on that team 
that would be fun to hang out with. Uh, we talked about Shaq, Wade. We talked about Anton Walker and Jason Williams. Uh, James Posey would probably be kind of fun. Uh, Ronnie Cycli too. He's a DJ, so he can oh, bring yeah. some some good party tunes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, party tunes. It's clutch. He, uh, you'd have to have a really big boat to fit his equipment, but it would be worth it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious what other Heat fans would say uh, to who they'd want because there, there's a there are a lot of people you could want on this, and Shaq is a very popular choice for a lot of fan bases. We, he was on the Orlando one, he was on the uh, Phoenix one. Uh, so yeah, Shaq would just be so fun. Yes, he's a little he's a little strange, and so uh, for sure, which is good. But I think also you you have to think a little bit about like boat chemistry like you have to have people yeah, that would actually true. get along you need to have your three and d boaters uh who just sit there and laugh i've used that yeah, analogy also, if, the, if the boat is about to sink you know who's gonna help save you that's true i don't i i guess that's true you, you should think about that in moments <laughs> like this um one la- i'm gonna go through a couple of questions we got and then we can kind of talk we already talked a little bit about predictions we can talk a little more um and O. Carter, one of our longtime listeners, he asked this question: um, How good a coach is Spolstra in terms of where he ranks among the other great coaches in the league? Is he on the same level as Popovich, uh, Steve Kerr, Carlisle, those guys, or whatever? Or is he a tier below, um, or is it more? Should more credit be given to Riley for laying the foundation that he's now just the steward of Syria? What do you think? Yeah, I think he's. I think he's still too young to to kind of earn that. Uh, from from a, a, an all time great like Popovich, but I mean he's he's right there, and I think I think yeah Riley groomed him to be a successor for a reason, and I think he's he's taken a lot of lessons from from Pat Riley, but he's also brought in his own way of, of dealing with things. Um, just now he was visiting uh, Dragic. Um, he, he he identifies with the players. I think the players like him. They like playing with him. But he's he's tough too. He's not going to just uh, pat them on the back and like, oh, you know, good job next time. Like he 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 takes in the task. He gets the best out of them. I think he 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 kind of straddles both sides of that. I think he can be a, a young guy that they can kind of identify with, but also he's he's a tough coach and he expects a lot out of them. And I think the results have have proven themselves. And I think I think it was a I think it was a lot harder than people think it was to to manage the big three. And and absolutely, and make all those pieces work. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that because, and I get it, you know, because you can look at somebody like Phil Jackson. Well, Phil Jackson is a great coach because he coached Kobe and he coached Jordan and this and that. And and I get sort of that, but also, I mean, look what he did last season with with the second half of the season. I mean, they they buy they buy into that and they buy into that because of because of Eric Spolstra. Yeah, I think the question is just how much of that is him specifically and how much of that is. Miami, but I mean, at this point, he's been there a long time. He is the institution more so. I mean, than he I worked. He worked his way up from. Wasn't he just like an assistant video guy? Not, yeah, yeah. He was in yeah, the video he, room. So, so yeah, I think he's well on his way to be in that tier of coaches for sure. If they're smart, they don't let him go forever. Uh, you, there always, there's always calls for him to get rid of him. But I'm like, don't you dare, because who do you get? Who's better <laughs> than him out there? You right. Know? Yeah, I don't That's know who, who's calling to get rid of him. I mean, geez, there's always so, crazy, yeah. so impatient, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> um, all right, we talked a little bit about predictions. I know Kelly doesn't want to make any more, so I'm not going to make her do any more. Um, <laughs> I just always feel like I sound dumb when I do. 
Uh, you're worried about being wrong. I get it. Like, but you know, <laughs> I, I understand. I, I'm not as afraid about being wrong because I'm always wrong. But um, Jacopo <laughs> Pellegrinelli, our longtime listener, asked this question that we ask everyone anyway. But I want to give him credit for asking this specifically. Surya, what do you think is the best case? scenario reasonable best case scenario for the heat this year win total seed how far they go certain players and how well they do what's reasonable if everything breaks right what's the best case scenario i think either man best case scenario would be like a four because i don't see them catching obviously the celtics Cavs, raptors and i don't know i guess like the bucks yeah, that's right. Wizards. Yeah, thanks, yeah th- those are all up there. Those are all up there as far as like the top five or six. And I'm, I'm looking at the stands right now. The Wizards with 49 wins, they, they were in the fourth spot. And the Hawks at 43 wins were at the five. So I can I can see the Heat, you know, ending up there at, at five because it, it's yeah. The, yeah. They're, they're I, yeah there. I, I don't think- I don't know if they're right. But I don't know if they're better than the Raptors, Wizards and Bucks, but. You know, stranger things have happened, and you know, injuries, l- trades, things like that could can can change it. You know. Yeah, I would say. Oh, fine, I'll make a prediction: forty-three and thirty-nine. I think that's pretty reasonable. That's about where I would have them at. I might have them even more. I think. Look, there's a world that they win in the mid forties, and they beat out two of those teams that you just talked about. Because again. In the regular season, like playing hard and being prepared goes a long way. And the depth that they have for sure right. as well. Um, right. But at the same time. And anything time, can happen to any other team. Anyone can get hurt. Anyone can get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen next minute, you know. <laughs> anything can happen anytime. But um, I think there's a right. reasonable chance that they actually are the four or five seed. I think it's, I don't know, maybe 30% chance, 25% chance. But I think it's realistic. Uh, you know, some – they – if they play, they're not going to play at a thirty eleven pace, but they, you know, have the kind of team that wins a lot of regular season games. I think what's the the worst case scenario is that everything that happens doesn't carry over. You know, these guys kind of go back to their career norms and they're fighting for the last spot in the playoffs. Does that sound about right to y'all? Yeah, it's going to be important. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about how long the the season is, and it is. It's eighty two games, but I think last year kind of crystallized just just how important each of those games are because if it just one game and they would have been in and, and the difference between the Hawks who are a fifth seed and the heat that were out of the playoffs is two wins. That's it. That's all it was. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you look back and like there was a game against the Knicks at home that they lost that they shouldn't have. And you can go back and you can like get really frustrated about it because there was very winnable games. And then there's other games that they had no reason to, to, to beat like maybe a, like a Warriors team. And they did. So if you just put it all together, I think they can they can get there to the, maybe the four or five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I it's just, possible. Yeah, for sure. Just make the playoff, please. <laughs> That's <what> all I want. <laughs> I'm gonna right. yeah. So uh, Kelly's on record forty three and thirty nine. Surya, what's your on record prediction? Um, your life depends do, on I'll this. Do, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, forty four and thirty eight. Okay, I, I'm gonna go. For, <laughs> Mid for, mid mid forties, yeah, forty four, forty five. I think that's exactly where they'll end up. I'm going to say they get the six seed. And I'm not okay. sure who the top five is. I'm going to say they get the six seed. That's my prediction. All right. So wait. Oh. What, what seed do you got? Say, well, no, I was going to say who do you think is above them? Then Cavs, 
Celtics, Wizards. Uh, Milwaukee, Toronto, um, oh. possibly not uh, one of those teams. I think it's possible that they beat out one of those. I think, in fact, like I would say, in over fifty percent of the scenarios they do, I just can't figure out which of those Toronto, right. Washington, Milwaukee teams is going to be lower than the Heat. Um, but I think it's very. I would say it's a a good chance that one of them is uh, at this point. You know, because. Again, they have to have a lot of depth. Like they're gonna win those. I mean, the schedule's a little more spread out, so maybe that'll hurt them. But they're gonna win a lot of those. Like kind of the other team just doesn't have it this night. Uh, the South Beach curse, right? You know those sort of. I don't nights. think any. I don't think any of the teams that finished behind them in the standings did enough to to get better than the Heat. And I think of the teams that finished ahead of them, the Hawks, the Pacers, and the Bulls. I'm sorry, but I think they took a step back in a the, the offseason. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So then I think almost by default, the Heat should should surpass them in the standings, and that would get them in the playoffs at a, at a, at a decent seed. Yeah, and yeah. If, they, if they don't make the playoffs, it's just what are they doing with keeping the band back together? I think, it's, I think they're pretty solidly in. I don't think there are too many worlds where they won't be, but we will see. Anyway, right. this was terrific. Thank you for joining us, both of y'all. Um, you want to let people know where they can find you? Um, oh, online? Um, Unless yeah. you don't want them to. No, find me online. No, that's great. Um, Politicoen underscore. So Politico, C-O-H-E-N underscore. That's on Twitter. And yeah. And Surya, could tell, uh, tell them how to look at Hot Hot Hoops and all the cool stuff you guys are doing. Yeah, it's uh, at Hot Hot Hoops. And then my, my Twitter address is uh, Surya, S-U-R-Y-A, Heat NBA. Surya Heat NBA. Terrific. Well, thank you both for taking an hour of your day to talk about the Miami Heat. And we are officially done with the lottery in our preview. We are done with the 14 teams that missed the playoffs. We're going to take a little break over Labor Day and come back with the Chicago Bulls, a team that is definitely not making the playoffs next year. Uh, (laughs) We're going to come back with them in Indiana and Portland and Milwaukee. Those are the teams that are sort of next up on our list. But this was the Miami Heat. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. 